Hello and welcome. I want to first thank you for listening to my podcast. Um, like many people, I am very new to this and it is especially challenging being a caregiver. I would love to do episode after episode, um, but I, it's challenging. Time is not always on my side, so I appreciate your patience uh, while you await uh, my next episode, um, and I really appreciate your support. I've done a slight change. I originally had named it Happy Me, Happy Us, and um, I did a lot of reflection as to the name, and that name is, um, of the first podcast is very important to me. However, my roots, my um, South Asian roots are just as important to me as well. And I figured I kind of wanted to combine um, both of them into a podcast. Um, So now I've made a slight change and um, rebranded it as the Indian caregiver um, talking about my journey, um, advocacy, being a um, caregiver for my mom with Alzheimer's dementia. I wanted to um, record this podcast originally on August 15th, which is the day India gained independence from British rule. And that date is very important, especially in my family, because my grandfather um, fought for India's independence. So growing up, especially um, in Orlando in the late 70s, and 80s my my father was very passionate about indian politics so every conversation at home centered around um indian politics policy um economic foreign policy so that's where i feel like i get a lot of the drive for me to fight um came from my grandfather so for this podcast i want to honor my grandfather and the and his revolutionary leaders who fought for India's independence. Um, My grandfather was an Indian politician uh, who fought for an independent India from British rule, as I uh, mentioned earlier. He was elected to the Lok Sabha, which is the lower house of parliament, from a small village um, called Betia in Bihar, and that state uh, borders Nepal geographically in India. He was a member of the Indian National Congress, and that um, party attracted a lot of leaders, such as the first Indian Prime Minister, Jawaharlal Nehru, and um, Indira Gandhi. He was a freedom fighter who was sent to jail, but he basically sacrificed his family and his life for what he believed in. He was sent to prison, um, in fact, life imprisonment for the Lahore um, conspiracy case um, in India. And, um, you know, once you dive into more Indian history, if you're interested, that is a very important case that kind of led to the um, freedom struggle uh, for an independent India. So basically, my grandfather was a fighter and he fought what he believed in. And that that principle was instilled in me at a very young age. And I feel like I've got that fighting spirit to advocate for my mom and for my and for caregivers like myself, because you can't give up. You constantly have to dive into things and ask questions. You cannot take things for face value and you have to have a fighting spirit Uh, not only for yourself, but for the person that you care for and even for what you believe in. 
uh, the past few months, especially since the COVID shutdown, has been um, a battle for me. And um, as soon as I was um, instructed to work remotely, my mom was in the hospital. She had multiple falls um, to the point that um, we were, you know, concerned what was going on. And she was in the hospital and then transferred into a skilled nursing facility. And um, we were hoping that she was going to receive due aggressive therapy at the skilled nursing um, facility so she could regain her mobility or a certain percentage back. And it was a very uh, stressful time because COVID, uh, we were just learning about it and visitors were not allowed. So I could not see my mom for several weeks and the fear of her getting it, the guilt that I was living with was very tremendous and heavy. I was not able to sleep, stress thinking what happens if my mom were to get it. Did, did I put her in this situation? Um, but I kept had to reassure myself that I was doing it for um, for her benefit. It was a challenge as well because uh, she's not very uh, adept with phones. I kept calling her. She was not picking it up. She would not understand. So I would call nonstop between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. when I would assume would be her dinner time, hoping that a nurse who was giving her medicine or a tech who was picking up her food tray would pick up the phone. So um, it was a very, the communication, lack of fluid communication um, was taking a toll on me and um the minute when they said they were thinking about a discharge I gladly um you know brought her home her limited her mobility was very poor it was frustrating because I felt like I was not there watching what was going on and interacting with her therapist she did not make any progress so essentially it was um not to our benefit but um you know I kept you know, focusing on what we needed to do for her. Unfortunately, um, because of COVID, she was not uh, eligible for elected procedure for um, to address her neurological issues. And um, we felt, and her team of physicians felt that that needed to be addressed. Um, it was challenging for little things, you know, for example, to do an MRI, she could not understand commands. She would move around in the MRI machine and um, she would not be able to do it, complete the test. So, um, and if I wanted her to be sedated in the MRI, I had to, I was on a six week waiting list and then she had to go for a COVID testing, which took a few weeks to come out before she was scheduled for an MRI. So I basically got very tired with the system and became very creative and reached out her to her primary care physician who is super supportive and I talked with him and we put a team together of a neurosurgeon, a hospitalist and anesthesiologist to do a direct admission to address her neurological issues. So we got her admitted um, in the hospital, had the MRI done with um, with sedation and I felt like you know we were moving in the right path and um, I realized that you know persistence and believing really makes a difference you can't let these obstacles knock you down and feel you know give up and feel helpless 
I feel like especially where as we're learning in a COVID world that you really have to be creative with what you do and think outside the box and be willing to take chances. And I took that chance um, with my mom and the medical team and started to get some, you know, reassurances back in May that we were doing the right thing. We finally had an MRI report, um, not only neurological, but for her spine and neck that revealed, you know, other health issues that we were not aware of. So I was really thankful to her medical team for believing in me and um, allowing her to get these tests done um, despite the many restrictions as an outpatient. So essentially that um, hospital visit was, you know, led to different things. We proceeded with her medical procedure for her brain and, um, you know, that led to some, you know, she had a mini stroke afterwards, um, still mobility was a challenge, but I did not give up with her. Again, the option was skilled nursing um, or for her to come home. I was a bit stressed with the, you know, limited mobility, how I'm going to, you know, cope with it, especially the, you know, effect she had after the procedure. And again, I was in the same situation, placing her in a skilled nursing facility because I would not be able to visit her and I felt like that would impede her progress. So I really pushed for her to um, be admitted into an inpatient rehab facility uh, in the area. It was not an easy task. She was rejected on the first go because she was not moving and they felt like she did not have the stanima or the... Um, energy to participate in activities with aggressive therapy about two to three hours a day and um I was determined for her to get in. I talked to the doctor. I said that, you know, she's in a hospital setting. She's been under anesthesia for her MRI, for her lumbar puncture, for her neurological procedure. You know, she's not used to this kind of medicine. I know what she's like when home health comes. She really pushes herself um, when she's determined. And by her not walking, she's very frustrated. So I know with time that she will make some steps. She may not be able to walk outside the door but if she can walk a few steps that is progress I can't ask for the moon you know to go to the moon and back if I can just do a few steps I will be happy so after several days uh, they did find a bed and at an inpatient um, facility and this was also reassuring because it was a hospital so she had all the medical needs um, in case something were to happen or she needed medical attention she was displaying a lot of neurological um, behavior after her procedures as I mentioned she was having mini strokes she was staring into the ceiling non-stop with her eyes fixed and it was very scary when I would see her not knowing what was going on she had um, about two or three neurological consults um, while she was in the inpatient facility and you know even they were suspecting seizures so I'm glad I again I was persistent and you know made that move for her to be transferred there 
Um, life was not a bed of roses over there for the for about two weeks, just under two weeks. I stayed overnight one night and I just could not do it. You know, they constantly wake you up every two to four hours. And um, my mom was not participating in activities. It was a struggle. Um, I think, you know, she was not used to so many people around her. And it was a two-person assist for everything to get her out of the bed, to get her standing, to get her to the bathroom. She did well with a device called the Sarah Study, which was a lifesaver, um, you know, at the hospital. She really enjoyed it. Once she was able to get out of bed on her own and put her feet on there, um, they were able to move her. So during that, those, um, that range of just under two weeks, they kept telling me that, you know, the Alzheimer's is advanced, um, her brain ventricles have shrunk tremendously, and um, I need to start thinking long term. And it started to give me a lot of, you know, panic attacks and stress what to do because I don't have any family here and it's very difficult to make these decisions. Um, and I don't like to make decisions while I'm stressed. So again, um, because she was a two person assist, um, long story short, you know, the decision was to, um, get her into a skilled nursing facility and, you know, to see how it goes. Um, but arrangements were being made for her to be placed in a skilled nursing facility. And then suddenly COVID re-erupted again in Florida. And, um, that morning I was determined, you know, let's do it. It'll be the right thing for her. And then a few hours later, um, when we spoke to other healthcare officials, they indicated that these numbers are getting out of control and, um, that may not be an option. Uh, so I basically said, screw this. I'm going to bring her home. We'll do home health and we'll bring her home in her natural environment. And if I have any issues, we have the medical team in place. We can get her readmitted. So she came home. Um, it was, you know, they brought her home in a stretcher. And um, it was a challenging first night. But my friend, um, my best friend came over. She was a tremendous support. She stayed that entire weekend. Um, I had other plans with her. But um, we were going to do a staycation somewhere. But... Um, Plans changed, my mom was discharged, and um, we kept the the plans to still be together. Um, and I think that was the best decision I made because she, my mom felt reassured transitioning back after a month that she was not in a hospital setting, she was not going back to the hospital. So what I did was I continued with her home health. The previous team that she had in place um, and had them come back because again with dementia patients, I don't, you know, don't like change. They were familiar with, um, with her, with, they knew the fact that she had dementia, they knew her limitations. So I had requested, and I highly recommend that, that if you have a team in place to use them, um, especially if your loved one has Alzheimer's dementia. So the first week, um, you know, when they came for the assessment, they did notice a significant change um, deterioration, if you would say, um, that they were like, wow, she's not the same person she was, um, a few months ago. And I said, again, I know I'm not asking for much. If she can walk a few steps, I will be super happy. 
and um, you know make this work show me ideas you know how to transfer her from the bed to the chair to the commode um, because it's basically me I don't have a second person helping me so fortunately again by working remotely I was very proactive and interactive with her home health care my mom basically the first um, first week was giving up she was frustrated And I would talk to her every day and tell her, you know, this is, you're not the type of individual who gets frustrators. We're fighters. And, um, you know, if you take two steps, that makes me happy. Um, So I continued to um, motivate her that way. And she um, slowly started to, you know, make some progress. Another thing that I did was because therapy is stressful and painful for her and she doesn't have the cognitive understanding to do the commands and she would get very frustrated. What I would do is, and again, I would recommend it if you're going through this and a loved one resists therapy is to say, okay, mom, um, You've got therapy. It is um, once you're complete, I will give you um, a snack or a favorite food. And um, since my mom loves to eat, that really motivated her. So halfway through therapy, when she would do the exercise, she goes, is it time for my snack now? And the therapist would laugh. So, you know, that got her going. So I highly recommend that, you know, again, to keep your loved one going and engaged um, with therapy. It was a little more work for me, but I will be honest with you. It is um, completely uh, worth it. Another thing that I did was I constantly was asking questions with home health, um, you know, being interactive. I did not lock myself in the room. I came out when they were here observing exercises, recording um, her progress and stuff. And another thing that I did was because of um, COVID, I did not want my mom to leave the house, especially for doctor's appointments. So I would keep logs on my Google, on Google Documents daily and um, indicate any behavior changes and progress in therapy so that way I knew what was going on and her physician had a clear picture as to what was going on as well and I used that log also to um, to detect any behavioral changes or sudden declines and stuff Um, but you know to be honest with you um, my mom has been home for two months and it has um, it has been a not smooth sailing. There have been a lot of rough waves, but I am happy with the decisions that I've made. You know, even to the extent that my mom suddenly just a few weeks ago started walking nonstop with her walker to the extent that she was picking up her walker. And it was, I don't have children myself, but it was like watching a child um, walk for the first time. There are periods, especially these last few months, where, you know, people do give up, especially, you know, um, on my mom. And, um, you know, I, I encourage you, don't give up. You know, there are days where, you know, we just don't want to get out of bed and we are frustrated, but I encourage you to be creative and for what and fight for what you believe in at the moment. I know that is what my grandfather believed in. He believed in an independent India. He did not give up. 
even in prison, he was sent to prison to die. It was his belief of his of principles of what he believed in that got him through that um, and got him um, elected as a uh, member of parliament. And he continued to fight for principles that he believed in. So if you're a caregiver, I encourage you, do not become depressed. I know it's very easier easier said than done um, because I do go through that. I will admit that, but I have to force myself to go to my spin class in order to um, make myself happy because again, as I mentioned in my first episode, if I'm happy, then my mom is happy. So you need to really um, push for yourself and believe for, um, fight for what you believe, um, believe in. Um, I'm proud to say that, you know, my mom is eating well. She's got a good appetite. She watches Bollywood movies. She listens to her old Hindi songs as well as, you know, the American news and Indian news. She follows elections. Um, you know, we've even got her playing with Play-Doh and she, my, um, someone who's helping us, um, during the day, they, um, she takes her out for rides um, in the wheelchair around the lake. So I am a fighter. I continue to advocate for my mom um, because I know there's no one to advocate for her. People with her situation easily give up on her. So um, I know that I need to take care of myself and I need to stay positive um, in order for my mom to enjoy her life Um So I want to end with a quote um, from Jawaharlal Nehru, and he is, um, he was the first Indian prime minister post-independence, and he said, life is like a game of cards. The hand you are dealt is determinism. The way you play it is free will. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to sharing, continuing to share my journey next time with you. Goodbye.